Greetings guys, welcome to our brand new episode of Redemption for Rotten. I'm your host Mr. Yasman and join me once again is Joe Morgan. How are you doing Joe? Hey, how's it going Yaz? Yeah. Thanks for well, having me back on. Yeah. For a moment I was like, I, I wanted to complete your last name or not. I didn't say Joe because I noticed I took a pause between your first and your last name. I was like, we're mortal people. But you know what, I think I should introduce you to the full. So how are you doing Joe? Doing okay, doing okay. Enjoying a couple of days off here. Uh, just got back into recording a new episode for my own show. Uh, so probably by the time this is up, that one will already be posted. This is going on, what's, what's today? It's the 7th. Uh, this is going on the 12th, the Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope they have mine up and running before then. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. It's going to take a while to upload, yeah. so... So how how are you since last time we met? Because last time we talked, we were yeah. actually doing a Zoom call, and you actually experienced you to uh, to something new. <laughs> it was the Turkish animated film? <laughs> yeah, that's some horrible shit. That's <laughs> nightmare fuel. That is. Yeah. Um, but no, oh, doing okay. I have since recovered, and uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, just uh, watching some movies, uh, playing some games. I'm still chipping yeah. away through. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting there. It's just a very, very long game. You're trying to platinum the game? Uh, by the time I finish it, I should, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've got all the other little things uh, taken care of. There's mm -hmm. like one optional boss that I have to take care of, and I just need to make sure that this time around I access the third semester. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that, that should be, it, it's supposedly a much easier platinum than the original Persona 5, really? um, which had a bunch of ridiculous stuff in it and, um, just a lot higher difficulty in achieving a platinum. But mm. I really don't care about the original because I want all the extra story and characters and stuff. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, because I I own was it a Persona Four Golden? Did you play Persona Four Golden? Only a little bit. I've got to get back into that. That would be another good reason to recharge the Vita. Oh. But uh, I own the, I, I the actually, Vita and the Steam version. Yeah, yeah. If I could play that on uh, a Mac without having to run Boot Camp yeah. or something like that, then I would. Right. Uh, that said, I. Uh, just uh, bought another game on GOG uh, that I'm looking forward to playing on my Mac, and that's uh, the remaster of Full Throttle because I love oh. the hell out of that game. Oh, God, almost 30 years ago when that originally came out on PC. Uh, it is so much fun, and uh, Mark Hamill plays a great villain. Yeah. So looking forward to getting back into that. And apparently Duncan Jones wants to make this into a movie. Because I think he, on Twitter conversation he's talking with what's his name, uh, Tim Schafer. Um, because he was like, man, you know, he wants to to make this into a movie. But you know how like some rights complicated. Because if not mistaken, uh, Disney I think owns part of part of the right. Yeah, I I couldn't begin to tell you, but yeah, probably because, yeah, just because of you know Lucasfilm and yeah. uh, you know then the um, connection with LucasArts games um yeah i guess that wouldn't shock me and you know i think anybody taking a stab at that could be cool but could you imagine if uh it was kurt sutter instead well i don't know if they want to work with him after the behind the scenes dramas with his stories like you read about it he got fired from my mc for his behavior 
It's not like anything like mm. he was harassing. He was being basically a dick, from what I've heard. Yeah, but all the fun stuff that he did with bikers in uh, Sons of Anarchy, I would love to see, uh, you know, his take on a full throttle. Yeah. And one of the actors is Blink Vin Diesel's dead in Fast 9. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, this guy's supposed to be Vin Diesel, but there's a topic for another day, Fast 9. (laughs) Yeah. But I would tell you about Fast Night. It ain't as bad as people say it is. I know people. I heard people say it's one of the worst from the series. I saw it's like it ain't that bad. No, no, it's fun. It's yeah. at that point being the ninth film, tenth really, if you count the spinoff, then uh, you should know what you're getting into, and it should just be kind of <laughs> fan service at that yeah. point, right? So in the behind the scenes drama you keep hearing about the film. Oh yeah, yeah. God, people are the. Because I'm actually excited for the new one. They announced that the actor from Reacher is going to be in it. Him is going to. Oh yeah, and and Rita Moreno she's playing Vin Diesel's mom. I mean grandma, not mom. Oh Rita Moreno. Yeah, she's playing. uh, Oh nice. And if I'm nice. not, pointed out uh, that she's actually about, there's an age gap between her and Vince, about 35 years gap. People think she's better if she played his mom instead of his grandma. Yeah, yeah, probably. But, uh, eh, I'd say it's still possible. But, uh, no, she's, she's an awesome actress. Um, so that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So what, does this make her also John Cena's grandma? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure John Cena doesn't have any yeah. part his... She's Puerto Rican, uh, right, Lisa Morano? Um, I don't know. I but uh, yeah, it... And I'm pretty sure John Cena doesn't have any Puerto Rican blood in him. <laughs> He's the wise out of all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no idea what his background is, but... Um, Vin yeah. Diesel, I think he's... Uh, uh, Ethnicity ambiguous, if I'm not mistaken. Nobody knows exactly what is ethnicity. And and also that I, I couldn't begin to tell you. And also, I loved Andy when he said that when we when they announced that Momo was cast. I thought maybe he's playing because since everything's about family. I said maybe he's playing the Rock's brother, and he was like, "This would be more believable than than the, than Vin Diesel and John Cena are brothers." <laughs> Yeah, probably, but you know, as long as he's just not being played by Chris Pratt because he's already playing everybody else. So I mean, he has Samuel Jackson playing his dad now in the Garfield movie. <laughs> Boy, it's also painful. Yeah. Yeah, and also, we talked about Chris Pratt. I saw like a funny tweet. Someone, I think, so I remember who who retweeted. He saw like an. Early, an early screening of the new Jurassic World movie is like this is my review it's actually the scene of Jeff Goldman walking that's a giant pile of shit that's the review of the film <laughs> yeah. well I'll find out in a couple of nights when I see it myself um, the luckily I only spent like two dollars on the ticket and he gets eaten by a dinosaur you're like yeah you know what you're expecting yeah, you know, I'm definitely in the camp like uh 
Greg Miller that, you know, enjoy uh, Fallen Kingdom as sort of a good, bad movie. Um, I, I think it's fun enough. And I had a fun time watching it as well. Yeah, I mean, I actually but, uh, but I was more disappointed with Fallen Kingdom because they had great ideas in the film, but I feel like they didn't implement it well. I feel like it was more of a disappointment. No, oh, not at all. But, the, you yeah. know, like, because part of it, I feel like they were trying to make the animal wrestling them, they were teasing it. And I was, so I was like, there's nothing to do with the, all the stuff that they were teasing. Especially now with the third act, because I hated the most. But I will admit, in this yeah. I've seen like it's, the deaths were very gory for a PG-13 movie, especially the guy who gets eaten. Remember, he gets grabbed by the, the end of the movie with the T-Rex. I was like, wow, that's a PG-13 film? Yeah, they leaned kind of heavy into the horror aspect in the, the last stretch of the film, that's for sure. But hey, as long as the new one is, um, you know, some fun fan service and, you know... It's got some decent action sequences, some good set pieces. Mm. It'll be worth the couple of bucks that I spent on the ticket. I had like a reward or something for my local theater, so I yeah. barely paid anything. And that's great. So we'll see how that goes. And also, in the final, the last thing, because I know people that were just 10 minutes now, people were like, why are you talking about Fast and Furious and Jurassic World? This one last thing, because now in 30 minutes, um, Disney Plus is going to lunch in my country. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they have. Maybe I might, might find seeing you know, a Doctor Strange too, because they said at the end of the month they're releasing it. That's right. That's right. Um, if you enjoy the Evil Dead films, you will likely enjoy um, the new Doctor Strange. Is in the back. I think I don't know if I show it to you. I have like the Shout Factory Collector's Edition of Army of Darkness with all the cuts. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 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 Yeah. Uh, because then, this last episode, we, we spent like 10 minutes talking about, was it, uh, Kali Monogan and Dua Lipa, because, you know, what's his name, Akai, I keep giving people what's their name, what's his name, God, do I miss, keep mispronouncing people's name. So was, I guess, so Kai said he went to see Dua Lipa, and he talked about how much he loved Kali Monogan, and we ended up doing, and we ended up speaking about 10 minutes about his music taste, and, and his history with music. He talked about, Coldplay, what was it, the Phil Collins band? Genesis, Genesis, like Genesis, yes. I keep thinking of, you know, Tormented Genesis. Every time I keep thinking of Genesis. God, that movie. So anyhow, I think we should start beginning now before people start losing the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and by the way, um, uh, our, our episode for Man of Steel is going to be my most viewed episode on YouTube. 91, right. I think, views, I think. Do you know what's my All most right. viewed episode on YouTube? Which I'm surprised to see. Batman and Robin, which has eight views. <laughs> really? Yes, I was shocked to see it. I suspect people might want to see it. Maybe it's because they over-talked about it a lot, people. Maybe that's why. Mm. Well, and, you know, to be fair, there's quite a stigma of people that just can't stand that film, <laughs> to be fair. But, you know, there's plenty of people that were kids when it came out. I think that people saw them, they want us maybe to see a trash the film, maybe make fun of it, but we did, we did not. I mean, I we did, know. It we, came out my senior year of high school, so I think I was uh, maybe a little too old yeah. for the demo they were shooting for. But uh, yeah. And for those who are now know. listening it, or watching the videos, like, man, you guys, 11 minutes, still haven't talked to the movie. We spent about 20 minutes talking about bat nymphs and bat butt cracks in the movie for the Batman Robin. Oh, that's kind of 
part of the game. And that's just, uh, we're still at the beginning of the film. We haven't <laughs> finished. Do you want to know who, mm-hmm. who was responsible for all of this? Can you want to guess who, who is it? Oh, probably. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who all was on that one. Uh, was it Andy and yes. Kai? Andy's the guy. Okay. And Lee so was it was all Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, you know, he was supposed to be on the Street Fighter review, but he got busy and he was like, on, on the Zoom call, he was like, I hit you. Who the hell recommended Street Fighter? I was like, who do you think? <laughs> Boy. Even responding, I'm more mad that that I watched the movie than I than I missed the show. <laughs> I even told Kay on the next episode I have, I'm going to make him, you know, review the film. Give us a thought before I begin the review. <laughs> Speaking about beginning, I think we should start talking about our new movie. Our movie that the, why did I say I was? Have like, sir. I said new like we're about to make a new movie. <laughs> So, you know, let's repeat again. Uh, let's talk about uh, the, our movie of today's episode. Uh, Life Force. Now, this is a movie, like, I, I think I heard a lot of people talk about it, but I haven't seen it. It's a movie, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's mostly because I think the, I don't know, there's a wise, I think people, like, they always talk about it. Because two words. Canon films. Or should I make it just canon? And of course, you know, you know the history of Ken, you know about their background, making like, you know, low budget, you know, action movies, like you got the Van Damme movies, I mean, Bloodsport, I think, and Kickboss is what made them popular, right? Yeah. Yeah, then. yeah that, that kind of stuff was their bread and butter, yeah. for sure. And doing a ripoff of Rambo, and like, you know, was it the Chuck Norris movie, Missing in, Missing in Action? <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because... They actually, you know, they were like, they were making like, you know, B-movies and books like this, like, because they were also getting like big actors. Stallone was also started working with them because he did Cobra. I remember that was like the biggest movie and over the top. And he was like, hey, we're getting moves. I think they wanted to transition. Like, hey, you know what? We, well, let's move on to, you know, making, you know, big, big Hollywood budget and move our stigma. We are like the B-movie guys. And we was like, hey, you know what? We have some four projects I think we're going to be our most expensive and best produced movies. And these projects were Master of the Universe, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. That's the title, right? Over the Top, The Survivor Stallone Classic. And finally, our movie we're going to talk about, Life Force. Yeah, Life Force, uh, based on a book by, is it Colin Wilson, uh, called The Space Vampires, which is a little on the nose for uh, what the story is all about. (laughs) But uh, the the story is that uh, he was a famous critic of H.P. Lovecraft. He did not care for the man. And there was uh, another... uh, critic who was much more favorable of him who also wrote his own Cthulhu mythos uh, who basically dared him to you know write his own cosmic horror and so he did and this was one of the books that uh, he came up with uh, the book was set quite a bit uh, far out in the future compared to this the 21st one. century yeah yeah because but, apparently uh, for what I've read that was originally the plans to make it in the 21st century instead of modern day Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about why but, they made um, more later in the review. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like that they had this set in, you know, at the time, modern times, just because it, it felt slightly more grounded for all the cheesy shit that ultimately happens in this story. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it, I, I definitely appreciated that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a fun ride for sure. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was my first time seeing the film. I had thought that I had seen bits and pieces of it in my past. Uh, it turns out the only thing I actually saw was the cover the cover of the VHS box at the video store when I was that a kid. That seems to be like most of people's response. Like the author you saw, but most of them is like, oh, we all know from the cover. Because that used to yeah, be like the it thing. Was just- Sitting there. Yeah, with, with the, I thought was it the the old the eighties or what's it like? People must think about most of the covers. Yeah, I think there's quite a bit of um, you know a connection with that. I I always remember you know before the big video store chains were anywhere near the town where I grew up. Uh, you know, it was the little hole in the wall local video store that you know a tiny little outfit, but. Yeah, it's where you went to go rent your movies and just, you know, usually about one or two people working in the whole shop and just row after row. It felt endless of films. And, you know, just as a young kid getting to walk by the horror section and seeing all this creepy shit laid out in front of you and almost daring yourself to see some of those covers because, you know, when you're a kid, that's probably going to freak you out. Uh I'll, I'll tell you, um, the 1980s just seemed famous for during like primetime television. So like eight o'clock at night uh, during the commercials running ads for horror films and the kind of nightmare fuel that when you're, you know, five, six, seven years old is definitely going to keep you up at night. Yeah. And how many of this, you know, movies that you saw that you got tricked by the cover? So it's like. You expected something you saw. This is not what the, the cover was yeah. selling it. <laughs> I, I think the film that I was thinking of was um, a, a much later film called Millennium, uh, which is I think I, I, I can't. I, isn't there a TV show with the same name with Lance? No, Lance you're thinking of the Lance. Yeah, that was kind of a spinoff of the X Files in some ways. Uh, no, this was some TV show about like or some movie about. Uh, I think it had something to do with time travel, but uh, yeah, totally different film Uh, that for some reason that film was what was stuck in my head. And this is not that. Uh, Is this the one uh, with Hes Christopherson in it? That sounds kind of familiar. Because I can see it because it's the same thing because I'm looking at the post at Wikipedia. There's there's an airplane in the middle and there's like a Mm -hmm. light... Oh, this is actually Fox. I don't know if they had people who worked on this movie with Life Force, maybe. maybe. Oh, there's probably a connection because you can, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon the hell out of just about any film. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Life Force was definitely a fun ride. Um, is I would probably call it one of those good bad movies for sure. Um, I, I love Peter Firth. I enjoyed the hell out of him in MI5, um, which, you know, the UK knew as spooks, but, uh, it was always on like BBC America and other cable channels here in the States as MI5. Um, and it, it was like the UK's equivalent of 24 back in the day. Um, you know, just about their domestic intelligence service, MI5 mm-hmm. and, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And he's he's the only actor who was in every single episode of that show. Ah. Uh, 
And he was like the head of their particular division within MI5. Um, and he was great. Yeah. He's a cool actor. And so that's what I was saying. This film, like we mentioned, we talk about it, and it even like, it's mostly you not know, my, but it caught me around this is not the cast, except maybe one recognizable actor whom, if you see, you're like, oh, that's the, that guy. We'll talk about who is it later, but it's mostly I think the cut meters is the is the fact that Kenna wanted very much this movie to be like the hit because especially with whom they got behind the camera. The most notable example is that was it. They got Toby Hoover who coming, if not mistaken, he did this after Poltergeist. I'm not. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I have it right here. Let me check. Yeah. It, uh, yes, I, he did I after Podcast. Like three, he took a three-year, I think, break after Podcast to do this. Yeah, um, you know, based on how troubled that was, just with his relationship with Steven Spielberg at that time, because Spielberg had a pretty heavy hand in the overall direction of that film. I mean, he uh, wanted to, the to point do Podcast, but he left, I think, to do ET, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, something like yeah, that, and the- there's there's a very heavy contingent that say that he basically yeah. did direct Poltergeist, and then there are plenty of others that are like, no, he had a lot of influence, but didn't actually do the direction. Um, I, I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle, yeah. but uh, and that's yeah, actually kind of ruined his reputation from to Behoa because you know he had mm-hmm. a lot of people to see him as a hack and. I think there is somewhere that one of the reason he did life for is to prove to people it's like no I am a capable director doing this type of movies. Mm-hmm. He wanted to prove the people his naysayer that they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. He had uh quite a bit of cachet from Texas Chainsaw Massacre because uh you know, it was just such a unique style of filmmaking at the time. It you know, it feels that almost like a documentary. And yeah, well, one of the origins of it for yeah. sure. And uh, yeah, um, it, it was like something that nobody had ever seen before and that it felt like you were watching something that was actually taking place. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's a shame that um, you know he felt his reputation was somewhat sullied. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, because you talk about like he does Texas Chainsaw because one interesting fact about it because every time when I think of Texas I think about the new movies but how gory they are and I remember like hearing people say the first movie wasn't gory because he wanted a PG rated for the first film and people like hey, with all the stuff you're doing we can't give you a PG rating <laughs> yeah it's uh, surprisingly bloodless yeah. um, but uh, you know it, pretty 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 rough still, but uh, he, yeah, he surprisingly not as gory as people it, think. Was it that? Was it that the meat was the thing? He hangs a girl on the what's it called? The meat. Oh, on a meat hook. The meat hook. Again, guys, mm-hmm. um, English is not my first language. I don't know some of the terms. Thank God I have someone like Joe here to help me. <laughs> I can barely speak it myself. So, yeah. I mean, we had guy with helping us with our German pronunciation when we were doing Man of Steel. <laughs> That was helpful, yes. Yeah. 
And we should have all the people from around the world whenever we review movies to have us translate the world because <laughs> I remember when we went to Batman and Robin, he was like, Oh, this is the right pronunciation of oh, how to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But we were like, This, but we can go uh, how the way he pronounced it. <laughs> so, anyhow, um, all right, so two people, and then you also got um, even the writers, they got what was it, uh, Dan O'Bannon, who, who is best known for writing Alien. He, he wrote the script and he even brought uh, what's the guy's name, uh, Dollar Screenwriter, uh, da- Don Jacob, and that guy wrote uh, the Frank Marshall movie, Arachnophobia, and he also did uh, the John Carpenter movie, Vampires. He also did, I think, I think it's a guilty pleasure. For some reason, Nick Scarpin thinks it's a bad movie, uh, Double Team. <laughs> I'm going to get Nick Scarpin to review this movie with me, one way or another, just to prove him wrong. <laughs> Yes. Nick, blink five times in rapid succession if you're in trouble. Um, (laughs) Because I I, I think that uh, if he appears on that episode, he may well and truly be kidnapped by Mr. Yasman 300. And to be fair, we're behind me in the sense that I might ask someone else to do the kidnapping for me. I might ask Snowbike Mike if he wants to do it. (laughs) Oh, see, done deal. You got this in the bag. All right. Let's make sure I get Greg. With Greg, I need to, to roast him some of his opinions on some movies. <laughs> okay, so we got... And also, you also got the fact, even the talents, like we mentioned uh, before we were talking on screen, uh, John Dextra, whom I think most of us people who are the kind of fans who know him as Chloe the Dead. Uh, he actually did the special effects for the film, and they even got uh, Nick Malley, who did makeup for for Star Wars, mostly create, based known for creating, I think. I think I read somewhere that he designed, I think, Yoda in, in Empire. He also did the, the makeup for Superman, the movie, the first Richard Darn movie. Yeah, they've got kind of a legendary effects crew on this film, and most of it's not that bad. Some, you know, some of the vampire effects towards the end of the film. I think that's little when they ran out of budget cheesy. because that's just the thing I heard. Just, because they were having financial issues with Canon yeah. at that time. Because especially with, they had to, split, to take away some money and spend it on other projects. Like, you've heard about what happened to Ben Stein with Superman 4. How they actually had to run out when they had to reshoot some multiple scenes. The same shot, like with him flying and coming to the camera all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, the... the Falling out of the budget definitely shows because it devolves into a zombie film with just chaos in the background at yeah. certain points. Makes me wonder if he maybe um, took you know Dan, Dan Zobanis script from Return of the Living Dead. Just like now, I'm gonna use this one. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. they rejected um, stuff. It's like, do you guys have anything? Because I know that they, it was chaotic when they had multiple screenwriters come in do on credit. He was like, "What do you need? Something?" It's like maybe Dan Zobanis. Because I know he, I think him, him and Dan were not in a good relation when they were shooting this film. Ah. Yeah. But he came back later for doing Invaders of Mars. I don't know if, if he was still in a good relation with him or not when he did that film. Hmm. Okay, so I think we should also talk about, I mean, the cast, I think, it's mostly like people like you, you might recognize, like you mentioned, Mr. Peter first from Spook. He plays uh, Colonel Kane, and you also got Steve Rilsberg as the lead. He plays Carson, and then you also got Frank Finley. He plays for the Doctor Falada, Matilda May, who plays this. Who actually, she's only she didn't say her name, but the girl as the Space Girl. 
of course, the most recognizable one, you got Patrick Stewart, he plays Dr. Armstrong. And who's actually good, and even with the limited time he's in it, he's also great in it. Michael I mean, Gothard. Yeah, you got him as playing Bukowski. That's the guy in the beginning of the of the film who plays, I think, uh, I forgot what exactly his role is, but he was, I think, mostly associated with the, you know, the crew, he was talking to them. You also got Nicholas Paul Ball who plays Roger Drebridge. Oh, who was it? Oh, that's the guy, one of the astronauts on the ship. And finally, uh, Aubrey Morris, he plays, I think, the um, assistant to the prime minister. Whom you see, who they report to him about the findings, what happened. I mean, there are a lot of people you might, with the exception of maybe Patrick Stewart, a lot of people might not recognize them because most of them, there's been actors who were like an up and comers. I mean, Steve Rails, like I mentioned, uh, he actually had just came, he just did a movie with Peter O'Toole called The Stuntman. He played, uh, I don't know if you saw this miniseries, Helter Skelter, but he was Charles Manson in it. I know of it, but yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. And of course, I think the year, year the next year he got, he, he made the movie where I hope one day we can talk about it, maybe get you and Andy on it, uh, Nuki. Or, or, you know, we don't have to. Or, we, you know, we just <laughs> um, don't. Maybe they demand, yeah. because if the audience demand, we might do it. But I might have Andy watch it just to torture him. <laughs> you know, maybe if you pay him to watch it. Okay. And uh, one last thing. Uh, I've got to Let's do some housekeeping. Uh, if you remember, Jeff, I showed you that uh, the Turkish fine cinema from Turkey, um, The Adventure of Achela, and... You told me that if we made over 1 million subscribers on YouTube, you're going to be part of the review. So right now we're about 11. That's Supposedly. Like I mean, we're about 11. See, God knows it needs a miracle to reach the 1 so million. So I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay because that was straight up nightmare fuel. Um, yeah, that that's horrible, man. Yeah. So like Nobody I said, needs guys, to... <laughs> 1 million subscribers on YouTube and Joe and... I, maybe I might get angry because he told me that I'll do any movie you want after skipping some some of the reviews. Like maybe I can get him for this one and and others to do this review. You guys heard of one million subscribers on YouTube, guys. And also one last about them film crew. Uh, Henry Mancini he did the score, which I would say I'm glad to actually watch the director's cut because people who don't know the theatrical there's two cuts, the theatrical US cut and there's the international director's cut. Because they edit, I think, I don't know if they, not most of his music, and they replaced him with Michael Kamen's score. And I'm, I'm glad that we watched, you know, and for those who are watching our review, we only watched the international cut. We haven't seen the theatrical cut. Which, which yeah, yeah. If you saw this, if you watched this film here in the States right now, and you were trying to watch it for free, you probably saw it on Tubi, and it's the longer cut. And for what sure, I'm, so. I think I'm seeing, there's all the cuts, I think, I think I saw items that they're, Renting the international cut is hour fifteen minutes long, but I don't know if that's maybe the same or maybe it's an old data. Just just make sure like, if you guys are watching, make sure it's an hour fifteen minutes long. All right, then I think we should begin now. So let's do it. All right, so th it begins like uh, within what year was it in nineteen eighty-five, right? It's nineteen eighty-five because. The reason I know this act is important because uh, what was it, the Haley's Comet and in real life the Haley's Comet was already coming near and what happened is that in the, in yep, the original... Yep, that was their plan, yep. Yeah. In the original no novel it was supposed to be like a, just like an asteroid, you know, field asteroid 
but however because the Halley's Comet was coming in Toby Hooper was like hey let's just use the Halley's Comet and capitalize it on, on, the, on the event I mean a similar thing I remember they did something like this but I don't know if you remember the Arnold movie End of Games where they capitalized on the Y2K scale because they released it in 1990 at the end of the year that's what I feel. Yeah, like Schwarzenegger it. and Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Yes, uh, not the best movie in film. the world, but still a little fun. <laughs> Gabriel Byrne is the what saves that film. That's a top for another conversation. Yeah. Oh, he's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My God, don't make me think of that. The sex scene where he has sex with a with a mom with a with the mother and daughter while Limp Bizkit is playing in the background. Yeah, I'm glad I blocked that memory out. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yes. I have it first because I saw a guy review the film. He talked about it. Okay, so what was that? Oh yeah, so so this we're watching now with the the shuttle called the, the Churchill. It consists of people from international crew. I mean, they're led by Carson, who's played by uh, Stephen Railsback, and he actually they they are going to study the Halley's comet. And in the comet, they notice like you know, uh, what was it? A, an object, uh, like a weird object in the, in the, um, in the com- comet. So it's like, hey, we, sh- we should go and scan see it. But we go and see and we see that it's actually a spaceship. And I will admit, like, the the, with the scene where you see the spaceship is going to the... And we should clarify, we, all, we saw that the, the, inter- the international cut. And for clarification, uh, the international cut is not in 4K, from what I understand. I don't know if it's, if it's in the 1080s. Or I don't know exactly what's the resolution of... Of the international cut, so if we might see us, people can say, "Man, did this sound different? How it looks like?" Because we saw, like I said, because the international cut. Because I understand this, this nothing has a good, strong resolution. All right, so was oh yeah, so they travel to the ship, and I gotta say, I actually, what do you thought of the design of the ship? It's obviously quite phallic, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the still it, because the route, I will yeah. admit because the offset of the two is, like I said, there's some, they kind of look like they did, they didn't age well, that specific, but when you go inside the interiors of the ship and when you see like the bodies of like the creatures and, and the three, three humanoids, the space vampires, we later know them as, um, it's actually the interiors. I actually did like the interiors, how it was shot and. And the way they were, they were flying in the, when they were, what's it called, the spacewalking? Mm-hmm. Yes, they were spacewalking. Yeah, it, it all looks pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, especially for you know a 1985 film. Yeah. Um, you know, the effects are decent. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we said, you've got a legendary crew working on this yeah. thing, so they know what they're doing, even with a you know fairly tight yeah. budget. Um, it, it works. And apparently, one of the uh, people, because they were being hanged around, they were. They were like they were floated, and one of them was wearing the suit that, that said, "I think Christopher Reeves' name." That was, I think, the same one that, because that's the same, I think, studio that they shot was it as the first Superman movie, the Richard Dunn Superman. They, were, they had some the like, tools like they were worn by Christopher Reeves. One of them was like, "I grabbed, I think, my belt and it said Christopher Reeves on it." Just imagine. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, even the crystal design, because if you notice, because I remember like the first Richard Darn yeah. movie, there are some crystallized design. Yeah, yeah, very Fortress of Solitude. Yes. Yeah. And of course, we so they come to first see like a dead alien body, like decomposed. They say that that's back then, but what happens is that they start losing communication, and behind them a door opens, and they see like two two humanoid creatures. 
now we got like an uh, ultimate naked like especially the girl because you see like and by the way guys the girl she's most of her scenes she's naked actually that's for people yeah this is very much a product of the 1980s um yeah yeah you got to be sure in a film of this character to um yeah well there you go it's it's very much on display yeah. um yeah, I mean the the chamber, which is probably mostly made up of matte paintings. Um, it it all looks very interesting still. Um, they use blue you know, skin, it, as I know, a lot in the film, especially in the third act. They use blue skin and miniatures. Of what yeah, I remember, yeah. I've seen videos of the making, like well, on YouTube. You and you see, and it, it works shockingly well. It it's a very nice job. Yeah, and um, so they see like the bodies, but you see like. I like that one of the parts he, he gets home it's like man she's so beautiful then they looked at him it's like are you okay it's like oh, I don't know what happened to me because which we see actually at least we find out that they're being hypnotized by the vampires because that's like their thing like they're hypnotized people by seducing so they can steal their life force so they end up stealing like all the three samples and then they leave the comet now if I'm not mistaken it costs 30 days later right uh, something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's a while before they get back. Yeah, to Earth. it's a time job. On, do you see like in the space station in the UK, and they lose communication with the ship, and then it's like you see like it's even float. It's not going the way. It's not flying this, the direction they're given. It's like, and what I do like is the fact that they made this like that's in the rescue mission like this, but in real life, not mistaken, they would have to take some stuff like questions stuff how to do it. Like, they don't need to do it like this because I've seen it like a thing. A good example is the Martian because it, it talks about how to do it, like how to see like the question, how to do it. But this one's like, no. Yeah, yeah, it takes them quite some time to get together a crew yeah. to um, save the guy in the Martian for mm -hmm. sure. And the, far more realistic in that film as far yeah. as how quickly they could do it. Um, yeah, um, they, they they get a crew together pretty fast. Yeah. And, uh, well, what, what did they encounter? A um, whole lot of ash and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And naked bodies. <laughs> yes. Like you do. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... I mean, that's the thing, I think, I don't know if you noticed, that's one of my criticism in the beginning of the film, it's like, it moves very quick. Did it, did it bother <laughs> you, this one? Because I feel like everything is moving at the beginning, because I feel part of it might have to do with the fact that um, there were a lot of scenes, before I've read that, the, the first beginning of them, there was a lot of space walking in the scene that they had to end up trimming to make it a little bit shorter. Yeah, and that makes sense that uh, those were the things that would be cut probably for pacing, and that's why the beginning of the film does feel a little bit slower. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, yeah, this thing uh, starts cooking right along, doesn't it? Yeah. So, what was it? So, they enter the spaceship, they see all the decomposed body, and the tapes, everything they see has been destroyed, and they notice the three naked humanoids. So they decide to bring them to Earth. <clears throat> oh, and also, they notice like uh, the skips part is missing. Alright. So they bring the creatures to Earth and they're talking. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? It's like, we, we, we couldn't decide that they're still identifying like the bodies. They don't know who's, if all of them are dead. And they're saying that, you know, right now we're actually we're going to start dissecting like the, the, the body. They said we'll begin with the female. So... You see, like later, like you know, what was it? Uh, the guy who was overseeing like the mission shuttle, um, because I have their names, um, um, 
Dr. Leonard Bukowski, who was played by Michael Gutter. And people might recognize him. He was in For Your Eyes Only, the, the, the Roger Moore Bond film. So he's here, like, you know, here he activates the camera. He's looking at the scientists. They're preparing, and in one minute time, he's watching also the news. I think he falls asleep, right? Yeah, he's a little distracted. And tired, um, actually, and it looks like him. So he, yeah. And then, so, the scientists leave, and they leave the security guard um, with the female. And, of course, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she 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 used her sense to call him inside to bring, to seduce him, right? Or was he like, he's just a creep trying to sexually harasses her i i don't know if he was just creeping or if uh she drew him in but regardless he gets a um, unwelcome surprise yeah um yep because she is very much alive yeah and she wakes up and then she started and then of course um but leonard and dr leonard he he noticed that the vampire she has alive and then instead of calling back up anything he just goes there running Yep, yep, uh, and it takes him forever to work his way down all these no. different corridors and stairwells and all these different doors and everything, which kind of makes sense if this is like your super secret space facility where you're going to, you know, do your autopsies on the alien bodies that you just found, sure. I get it. There's going to be a lot of different protocols and redundancies and all sorts of uh, red tape as far as, uh, you know, gaining access to these creatures. But also, it seems like in the case of an emergency, um, you didn't press the alarm or anything. Yeah, it's odd. And of course, we see it like uh, he starts sucking his life force. And then you see like he turns turns mummified and What's really funny is I, I talked to you, you know what this I'll keep this as a trivia for the end of the show. So she kills and then Leonard comes in, he sees like the the dead mummified body and he turns out and he sees like, you know, the female. And then she you then Doctor F uh who's played by Frank Finlay, who's also I think a is a a thespian actor from the in in England. Well yeah, I had to fix the close some taps. And he Oh he's, that's fine. Um he sees actually, you know, that the, the, the female is talking to, is approaching Nina. That didn't, and unlike him, he I think calls for backup to come in and stuff. But when he comes in, he only sees him on the ground. It's like where is she? It's like she she ran away, and then of course it's like he tells him to spread the warning to find a, a, a naked woman walking. Of course, you see like yeah, nobody takes him serious about that. It's like okay, I think we got this, right, guys? Yeah. And. Not so much, right? I mean, to follow that, for me, he didn't notice. It, didn't notice her power or anything. And so, yeah, see yeah. The, oh, yes. the, and still, it just kind of reeks of okay. We we got this under control, right? We're the ones with the guns. We've we've got doors. We have locks. It's mm-hmm. we have guards. You know. Yeah. What's well, one little girl, right? That's kind of the attitude that you get from them. But uh, what's she going to do? A character played by an 18 year old actress. Yes, because yeah. Yeah, she was 18. And this actor, because of the amount of nudity in the film, they had a hard time finding an actress to play her. And for whatever, the actress was pretty comfortable at that time saying, like, yeah, I was comfortable being nudity. And 
and apparently Tom Hooper had one had to after one shooting he noticed that there was, there was very crowd that he ended up you know whenever he shoots or noticing he had to close down the set only few people were remaining instead him and camera people some p other people just to make sure that everything's looked well for his scene and not not not, not in distraction <laughs> because you know what I think was it oh yes um, so I think we can talk about it later so. She, so we see like the security guards, they get told about this, like to, what they're saying, and they can come and see her, it's like, they try to stop her, but she uses her power to, you know, to push them away. And uh -huh. then, and she uses, I think, her, her, her power to smash the windows, and she see her walking on, on the glass, and from what I've read, I think they used tape, they taped her feet so that she doesn't, her, her feet doesn't get in, in hurt with the glass. When they were filming this. Yeah, because even if it was candy glass or something like that, you could still cut yourself with yeah. it. So, But it, it looks very convincing. It, again, the effects are just incredibly well done for a film of this scale. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of the charm of this movie, actually, just how good everything tends to look for the most part. Um, but yeah, she... Uh, she yeah. escapes and uh, to to the amazement of everybody involved she escapes and I find it weird that there was not lots of security in this area before a secret or place for men space place yeah yeah that's that that I guess I kind of noticed that as well yeah um but just they start little... bringing them right after she escapes because we see that the other two vampires did <laughs> they came prepared <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose that's good enough reason to start beefing up security yeah. around there. Yes. All right. So they begin, like, you know, just like to talk about what happened, but yeah, they, they, they said, like, you know, we should, they looked at the body of the, you know, the security guard who, who, who died, who got killed by the, by the vampire. It was like, we should start dissecting his body. So as they're about to dissect him, the body comes alive and starts sucking the life force from one of the doctors. And then he starts to comes back and he becomes alive. And of course, uh, the doctor Falada, I mean, he makes the, the concept like, this, uh, this guys are like vampires. Like, instead of sucking blood, they are sucking our life force to be alive. And they find out, like, this, the, uh, this creature, he woke up, I think, about two hours after he got turned. And they end up calling the prime minister's assistant, uh, Sir... Percy Hillstein and then he ends up coming to them to show them what's going on oh wait before that they also called the SAS engine uh, Colonel Kane because he came in for to investigate with them what's going on because he even asked them what happened because I forgot to introduce them because this wouldn't introduce our Peter Firth character he's investigating with them because he, because he was also with them when he we didn't witness like, like the scooter coming alive they go downstairs like after the universe that the security guard he dies and if he doesn't get life force they turn into like dust, mafia and turn dust. And they also see the same thing happens with the other doctor who got turned. Yeah, uh again, fun effects. Uh I, I I love how when they're all desiccated and kind of zombie like, uh that they almost feel like puppets. Um I don't know. The look is very cool. They had that metronic because I, I watched that for the scene. But when when the security guard wakes up, they they had um, people and metronic they were controlling him under the bed and. Nice. Yeah. It works. 
All right. So after after that, just like just like okay, we have to spend a warning. They, they get a call that they find a, another mummified, you know, female on the ground. They they, they notice like that she's also the, that body's next. It's like oh, now she's she's, because she's now clothed now. And then they take that body back to and start waking up and because she's also not losing it, the life force, she blew blew up. And then. Yep, um, and I That's, think I it's think noticed that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll go, you go ahead and talk, I'll talk. Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, her clothes had been stolen as well, so we know that, you know, the the alien woman is trying to, you know, kind of assimilate and find her way somewhere. She's got some kind of agenda. Yeah. Um, little do we know that uh, it's actually mar far more insidious and sneaky than uh we really expect but yeah. uh we'll, we'll we'll get there yeah we'll get okay. there um so I, I i hate to have to um pause this real quick but i need to take a very quick break okay um i apologies but uh no, you'll work it out in the edit i'm sure magic, move it. there you go there you go uh i i will return shortly okay so if you guys are listening we'll, we'll be taking a minute and we're coming back and we're back guys now if you guys were listening we had to take a break for a second we're back so where were we we start stop talking about the film oh yes uh the, they find the uh, f naked female body who's also been modified from being sucked by all of her life force they take her in to, to see her if it, because because they find out that after two hours the body they start waking up trying to suck the human life force now this one, of course, because they had to tie it up, she, she she dies and blows up because she didn't get near the life force. And then later we see like the two male vampires. And funny enough, do you, do you did you recognize one of the male vampires? Not right offhand, no. One of them is related to a musician. No. Do you want to guess who? No, go ahead. Who is it? Nick Jagger's brother. I think it's Christopher oh, Jagger. Yeah, I think he originally That's wanted uh, Billy Idol to to play to play the robot. He was. I remember reading about that. Yes, yeah. he was unavailable, so they ended up getting Mick Jagger's brother to play one of the vampires. So you see, like hmm. the military this time, because it's not a hot, sexy woman, they end up shooting them, and they throw out the grenade. Now we don't see the body, but they come inside. You they hint that they are dead, but it's kind of obvious that they're not dead because you see them like they try to kill them with the gun. They're not dying, but. We understand later why if you think they're not dead, but it's kind of mm -hmm. obvious that they're not. Because we all know if you see it's like oh they're they're still alive. The fact that they didn't show the bodies, etc. <coughs> and the way they killed us was too easy. Oh yeah, it yeah. is definitely cheap. Yeah. So so after that they get the call. They say that the taxes. Because I said they have found like a, the escape pod, and they open it, they we find what's the mark? Carson is inside it. They bring mm -hmm. him to the UK after they recover, and they, they ask him about what happened. Now he tells them, like, that after they brought in the, the vampires to the ship, this, the people start acting weird. One of them, you know, he smashes like the recording cell, and then Carson, like, he knew that everyone's to see that everyone starts dying, and he knew that it's all because of the vampires. So he said that I had to blow up the ship and skip through the escape pod to stop them from coming to Earth. 
but then they told them like the the the, the, the vampires didn't die and that they are still alive. But he, they think that he he says that he might be connected to her. I was did he repeat that he's connected to her after he has the dream, the nightmare, or before the nightmare? That I don't recall. I think um, it's bef- after I- the nightmare because. It, it, that's how I think they find out about it. So, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I also think that, you know, his story um, about what happened on the Churchill is um, it, it's very clear that something's being glossed over. Um, at least I felt as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't. I, you know, I know they're really trying to shoot for a leading man with this guy, but I just don't see it. Um, and for what I've read, I, I think he he was not, I think, this like a little bit cowardly like he is seeming, but in the novel, because I think the novel is a little bit different from what I've read. Yeah. And uh, he, like I said, I mean, maybe we might change our mind. We think he's the leading man after we see Nuki. And uh, hopefully we never have to experience that. But go on. <laughs> well, um, the public, like I said, it's a public demand, and we have to do it. Sure. <laughs> well, so it was like the fact that he went from a year later from Life Force to Nuki is actually. I want to. I'd love to ask him like, what was his experience shooting Life Force? Then the year later doing Nuki. Could have been worse. Could have been Mac and me. <laughs> Well, you want him to be the guy in the wheelchair? <laughs> I, I I want none of this. <laughs> it's, I, I'm I'm good with that. I'm fine. I'm pretty sure. I, well, you know what? I think the main reason it's so like that. But the main reason we create this podcast mostly to torture Andy and the rest. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh yes. Yeah, so I think after that, he actually he starts sleeping and he has the nightmare, which he's. She comes to visit him uh, in his dream. And then after he wakes up, people like, she came to him. It's like, it felt, he still felt very weird. And, and what happens is that Dr. Father said, I'm going to hypnotize you. Maybe he believes that the guys might be, you know, they are, might be connected. So they have now hypnotized yeah. him. And he tells him that uh, she has taken control of body of, uh, of another woman. And she's actually sort of, like she did it. She didn't cite all of her life or that nobody would did to find the bodies. That people would, she didn't have a little bit control over them. So that, she said at least they would not suspect where to find the body. So they find like was it a woman? She goes inside a car. They find the car and the model. And what's his name? Uh, Ken. He calls it. He tells them like, find this uh, this car and and the model. He gives them the license plate and the model. And after that, they get called. They say that, oh yes, uh, they found the guy. He said they dropped him at the, if I'm mistaken, uh, mental institute, right? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, sanitarium or something. Yeah, that's and, where we uh, get introduced uh, to Patrick Stewart's character, Doctor Armstrong. And mm-hmm. of course, he very told, very young. Yeah, pre-Picard. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, pre-Picard. That's actually. <laughs> Let's be fair. Patrick Stewart has always looked like an old man, but uh, yeah, yeah. And he's um, a, and I'll say this: Patrick Stewart, even with his limited screen time on this film, he's also amazing. And and I think he even said oh, that yeah, he liked working with Toby Hooper on on the film. I think I 
I might have mispronounced his name. I said Todd Hooper instead of Toby Hooper. So if I, if I'm so if you guys might hear me saying mispronounced, I apologize. Okay. So he said that he he liked working with Toby Hooper in the film, and as he tells him like that, he told, oh yes, I know who this person. She's a, a nurse. And he tells him like she's now in her room. It's like, do go Kane and Carson they end up going to meet her. And Carson started attacking. She said, she's still here. I'm going to find her. Because he was starting to get because of her psychic connection to her. Because he was trying to find where she... He said that I find... After he comes in, he said, we find out. She said that there's a criminal with a birthmark. He described the birthmark in the face. Patrick, Patrick Stewart, who's playing Dr. Armstrong. So you, so he tells him, like, oh, that's the prisoner. He's a psych. He's a child killer. I can take it to him, and he tells him. Oh, by the way, we have to drug him with this because because he might wake up and start freaking out. As they enter inside, instead, uh, who who caps that? I guess Carson, you know, and you know he they, they instead they drug the Doctor Armstrong. It's like they ask him why. They said they t- Carson tells them like he she's I felt her inside of him. So they they take you know Doctor Armstrong to his room and they tell like his you know what's it like his what's it one of the nurses to bring like you know the the drugs because in order to 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 to, to work to communicate with the female vampire. And he starts to talking to her it's like now, am I making what was the dialogue between him and the female vampire? Yeah, remember he. I'm asked, sorry. Say again. What was the dialogue between um? Carson and the film when she's taking over Patrick Stewart, her body. I, I can't remember the line here, but uh, yeah. It... He asks us, like, why did you pick me? He's just like, you don't remember. It's like, she she tells him, I just remember, but she said that the reason she looks like it, because she did the, the base, their look, the shape shift, the, mm-hmm. that she based on look on, on their fantasy. She's Canada. And she said that she felt more connection to him, so that's why she was able to Change her look into like what fantasy you know, that Carson had, and and I will admit I actually did like how the fact that you hear Pat, the mixed Patrick Stewart and Matilda May, that's the actress who plays the female vampire. Right, the voices yes, are Maxine. coming together. Yeah, I mean, and I will admit then it actually this kind of like one of my favorite scenes. Like Patrick Stewart, that's actually this. She tells him to kiss him, and she's actually in Patrick Stewart. She starts then you see Carson kissing Doctor Armstrong and. This actually is one of my favorite because if you notice, Patrick Stewart, he's like he's willing to do the kiss. It's like he's he's like I feel like he was really enjoying that he really wanted the kiss because I know that he's very open about kissing like men because he's noticed that he he seemed like he 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 sometimes he had posted photos kissing with uh, Ian McKellen and he even talked about it like on Conan O'Brien's like yeah I'm comfortable kissing men. I feel like he was comfortable. Then Carson was like stop doing it. It looks like he did it. He doesn't want to kiss Patrick Stewart. That's the reaction. It's more like, and of course, then you see like the life force started ca- coming out of over the body, and then then, and then Kane started you know injecting this. Man, I think they killed him like, because of the amount of of more of, of, of what is it? Is it morphine or is it? It, it was kind of glossed over exactly what it was, but I think it was just more of a heavy sedative. Yeah, sedative. We call it sedative, like. But I must have said that even by even raising on this neck because I'm pretty sure that's very dangerous if you do this area. Yeah, just a little bit, but you know it was done for dramatic effect. It may have been you know a tranquilizer like uh, Thorazine or something like that, 
Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, they 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 dosed him up real good. And um, from here is this where they call him the chopper? Yeah, and also because when they were finding the life for the because the prime minister assistant was with them because he was helping them. He was like he's contacting the prime minister, sending messages to him and anything the way they can help each other. He also falls and he and he faints. It's like we have to take both of them to the in the helicopter. As they are actually walking the helicopter, they get a, and they see like the they start blood starts coming out from the prime minister, that assistant, assistant, and Doctor Armstrong. And uh, do like the pilot, he turns out he starts screaming, and then Kenan's like, "Hey, focus on the piloting, <laughs> focus on the on the naked woman who's appearing from the blood." <laughs> right, and this effect is really cool. Yeah, um, actually, I have not seen how they make it because I actually do love want to know how they make it. That's actually one yeah, of the questions, yeah, how they shot this scene. The blood and all the other stuff, the fluid and everything just streaming from these bodies. It's a, it's a very interesting effect. I liked it a Maybe lot. Maybe they use optical illusions like because I remember the movie The Blob because there's a scene where I think, you know, the goose starts crashing on someone. They say that for this scene, they had to, you know... If, put the car upside down and to that the, the liquid would come on the actor maybe the, i think gotcha. something like the, maybe use was gravity. that the steve mcqueen or the remake no, the remake okay yeah the steve mcqueen i know the remake he does in the beginning of the film they do like the bit and switch mm. yeah yeah what was it okay, so i think they might have used gravity for like maybe they used a camera like up camera tricks that, yeah, that could be and also that scene. Also, Regardless, like, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's one wonderful. thing I actually do like about um, this: how it doesn't use camera tricks to have to to create like special effects, but that's not CG because they look very mm -hmm. real. Oh, and it, obviously they hold up well. Nearly, you know, God, the better part of forty years later, watching it on standard mm -hmm. def on a, a stream on a four K TV. Mind, we're not watching it, a four K version. We're watching, I think, a. A seven, I think it's 720 version we're watching it. Oh, yeah. That looked yeah, good. Yeah, very below <laughs> HD levels of quality, and it still looks fantastic. That is the hallmark of a good practical effect. Yeah. Love it. And, and I remember, like, it was, they were coming also from their eyes, also the blood. <laughs> That's kind of, and I do it, like, later after they landed, and because she escapes, and they tell us, like, the cow, well, what happened to him? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> of course he's dead. The amount of blood coming out of his body and his eyes. <laughs> So I didn't. It tells him like they find out that she, she was not. They find out that London is in lockdown, and that they find out that she had tricked them. She had she make them leave leave like she, London said said they can take over yep. the place. And then it was all an elaborate ruse, and the city is falling to pieces. There are explosions everywhere. There's riots through the streets as these vampires now that appear far more like zombies are just wrecking shop in greater London. Um, it, but, but it still looks good. Even, you know, the life force energy is streaming around the place. And I think we kind of missed a bit somewhere in here. Yeah, that they had he admits that, that what really happened in the ship, if Carson tells well, Kane that, that he's that, but one. also is it, is it after this point where we discover that the ship is now, you know, coming closer to earth um all right so because, because they get told on the microphone that you, you, there's a call from i think for falada because i don't know if this before after he got attacked by the end he tells them everything oh uh, yes he gets so basically you find out that the two million is they they took over 
Did they shapeshift it or did he took over the the guards? Because I don't remember exactly. Um, I think they had, well, obviously faked their own death, but uh, then, yeah, I we think say they we had take, just shapeshifted over like in the guards' place, and one of them went to Doctor Falada, but Falada actually because he doesn't, he was able to kill him using when he, with a short sword he had, and he finds out that mm. he theorized that the last time the comet came through, because if I'm not mistaken, the Haley comet comes every eighty years, right? Something like um, this. It, it's yeah, better part of a hundred years. Yeah. But uh, he yeah. says that uh, that this ability, this is how vampire Man legends came because they said it's years like this isn't the first time they came to us. Like the highly come comes to Earth, vampires come to and steal like the life force. He said that he found out like a metal like from a sword. He found this their weakness. Their weakness like they really had to give explanation. Like it's below their heart. Like there's a the life force is was centered. You have to stab them. Can't you see just stab them in the heart? Like they have to make it different. Yeah, and it's fine. It, it whatever, <laughs> it works. And this this weird like, I I think they described it as like leaded sword or something like that. It's a very odd looking weapon, but uh, yeah, it's it's still interesting. Um, yeah, but we, we find out that the ship is coming closer and all that. And, and we find out Carson, uh, I think he confesses like to Kane, like what actually happened. He said that he's the one who actually who broke rules, not the crew. That he actually he mm-hmm. was being she was calling him the whole time and that he could not handle it that he, he lets her loose and all hell got loose. He said he was the reason everything happened. So they go out there to meet the Prime Minister and, and you see that the Prime Minister himself also got infected by this. We uh, do like this scene. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love this scene. It's oh oh um yeah. What, what's the, her name? It's uh, from Great Expectations. Oh, Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham. Uh, I, I need to see you. Just one minute, guys. I'll be right back. I, I swear, I'll be right back. The I'm moment, sweating profusely. The moment you see Just, someone, you know, what do you know? Oh yeah, guys. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. And so he leaves the door marked private with this big <laughs> sign on it slightly ajar and you know uh, peter firth and uh, uh carlson there they they just kind of give each other a look and they kind of peek in and they see him just leading her behind the screen and then you see in silhouette him draining her life force and they're like okay we need to get the <laughs> fuck out of here and, and as they're going back through the office back up to the helicopter <laughs> on the roof uh, you see all these people, people just kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, just mopping their faces and kind of falling out and people helping other people get to seated positions and all this shit. It's like uh, very clear that uh, this vampirism is running rampant. And I when when did all this happen? That's I mean, what I need to know. They, they saw an 18, uh, an, a, a sexy female vampire. What do you think happened? I guess, God, but just the way that things are, you know, happening on the ground level with all of these uh, space vampires now that have withered to almost nothing. You know, they've got patches of flesh missing. I mean, they're 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 looking very much like rejects from a bad zombie movie, right? And and how that's all happening down there. But then the rest of these people who are in some way infected because they had their life force drained, you know, are not even close to that kind of state. I don't know. It's it's a little confusing. Doesn't quite make sense. I'll allow it. Yeah. Um. I mean, so 
Seth, I do like when they were walking out, you hear like the Henry Mancini theme is played. Oh, yeah. The, the score is just pumping at this yeah. point. And so they leave in the helicopter. And I do like that. One of them, he comes in he, and King kills him with the, the flare gun. So after that, they yep, said that. Yeah, the, ch- the chopper pilot, he's like, he's just not having it. He needs to get out of there. And uh, he's kind of freaking out a little bit at this the point. The moment he but... saw a naked woman come out from Patrick Stewart and the prime minister's assistant <laughs> covered in blood. And he already <laughs> lost it. So yeah, well so was then. Oh yes, and then they they go like to a, to a military area where they where they have locked down everything. They tell them that they have to go like you know to to meet Doctor Falara, but Carson like he knows that he has to go meet the girl, and he knows that she's actually in the was it the church, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't remember the exact area. Yeah, there's a I I can't remember the name of it, but there's a the light beam because cathedral. he sees the light and this light is communicating yeah. with the ship. He said that this was yeah, and he also has his uh, Carlson has a psychic link with yeah, her, and so you know he can kind of see everything that's happening, and he knows that she's there. Yeah. But you know they got their two hours of quarantine first before they can talk with any of these officers. Um, yeah. I don't know. I figure like they could at least have had a conversation through the fence, but whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so he actually, you know, he he hijacks I think a truck and he leaves to go to meet. Yeah. Off screen, yeah. you hear the gunshots, but yeah. yeah. Again, like I said, I think they ran out of budget to film some stuff. It feels like it, yeah. yeah. Like the fact, we talk about that scene later. And then you see like Ken's like, I think they told him, like, he, I think he said he's going to meet Dr. Falada. He's like, I'm, I'm going, he goes there. King tries to meet Dr. Falada, but at the same time he's encountering the vampire. I mean, he comes in, he sees that Falada has been already been infected. He says that, he tells him that this is the sword that you need to, 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 to kill the vampires. He kills Valada and then he could, he grabs the sword from the dead vampire. He leaves and then he sees that this car's already been destroyed and people are, the, the zombies like creatures are chasing him. He starts running throughout the church because he sees this must be where he is. So you see Carson goes in and he, he goes on to the girl. She tells him, come to me, let's, let's, let's get together and finish everything. Uh, Kane and he is about to intercept, but the one of the last of the other vampire male vampires comes in, and he tells what does he tells him? I remember exactly something about you know this would all be a lot easier if you just joined me or something yeah, like that. But instead, that. he stabs him, and then he turns into the, the creature. At least that's mm-hmm. his true form, if not mistaken. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty clear. Um, to, but I, I then that they were supposed this was supposed to be like the final battle. Maybe they were gonna have can't fight him but maybe they run out of budget just like and just stab him but yeah instead the bat creature just disintegrates and uh you know uh he, god peter firth gets thrown down those stairs like at least two and then times there's the zombies are trying um, to grab him like uh, uh-huh he goes the sun he goes inside and he sees like the, the, the he sees carson and the vampire they're both naked they're making out and mm-hmm. and it, it's it's so weird. It's like she's still trying to drain his life force. But I think, but I don't know maybe if, not. Because they and, hint, I think that he might be a vampire. Because we know that Falada said that they might be not the first people who came vampire. Could he be like he's a descendant? He might be a part of. And the, maybe that's it. It's very murky at this point. Because, like I said, the, the MS said that the production was very chaotic. Like they didn't had a, fin- a finished script. I think Tube Hooper said that they didn't had a finished script when they. Sh- 
they were shooting the film like they were just chaotic because they had multiple writers comes in I mean the editor I think after the film got finished he left to, to work on Liberty he didn't come back and what was it so after that as he was making out of Kane start calling out for Carson and the Carson, Carson see him he he raises his hands for the sword he Kane th throws the sword to Carson Carson grabs and then he steps I mean pills both the film vampire and himself and this causes a chain reaction that causes the energy to travel into the spaceship and everything all the energy stops in on Earth and the ship leaves. That's and it. Honestly, I don't think this stopped or changed anything, him stabbing them. I think this would have been the exact same outcome anyways, because it seemed to be what everything was kind of moving towards. You know, as the uh, life force was being sucked out of the different, you know, low-level space vampires out in the streets, they were all dropping to the ground anyways. Um, I, I really don't think stabbing her stopped or prevented anything. It just happened as it was going to happen. Yeah, because I don't know. That's the, that was a very confusing <laughs> ending because I will admit it was like, okay, so what just happened? How did it stop him? Because I feel like the... the yeah, kind of... Blows the dome off of the cathedral, and Peter Firth just kind of watches it all happen, and then the ship just kind of folds back together and leaves. Yeah, it goes to the comet. I think maybe they were trying yeah. to set up. Don't explain. I think maybe they were trying to set up a sequel because the canals that looks like they want to make a f <laughs> like what said maybe like in the future because because they made in the mythology in the movie that the Haley's comes where they come every year. Mm-hmm. So that was Life Force. Yeah, yeah, that that, it, that was a movie. But all the crazy <laughs> thing happening in Dan is like that's no, it, it. it. It's a fun film. It, it's yeah. a fun film. It's um, is it a great film? No, no. but <laughs> it's I will it's admit, definitely a out fun of film. all the canon films I saw, this I think their best film. If you compare Canon's yeah. catalog, this is their best. I don't know. I'd have to look at an I mean, overall. I mean, they did do one I think sure. good move, movie which had. Christopher Reeves and Morgan Freeman is the one where he seems I think it's I think his breakout or I forgot the movie's name there's a scene in the film where Morgan Freeman is like I don't like listening to you or, or this bitch and Morgan's like hey he slaps her shut up I don't remember what's the film's I name I think of that one because I know Christopher Reeves said part of the deal is that if they, green, if they allow Superman 4 he has to do this movie I'd have to look it up because I think they say this is one of Canada's best film Oh. Canon film. So. Here we go. List of the Canon group mm -hmm. films. All the way back starting in 1967. See between something between. Uh, everyone knows. No, I think. Is uh, oh. It, is it Morning Glory? They did the Blood on Satan's Claw. That's one that I've been meaning mm -hmm. to watch. No, they didn't do it. No, it's just. Uh, Ah, Street Smart. That's the movie's name. Street Smart. Silent Night, Bloody Night. The movie's called Street Smart. That's what the one I was looking for. Hmm. I don't know if you heard of yeah, it. Yeah, that. I mean, that this, one act, this I'm is one of the best reviewed with. films. I think this is also, I think, is Morgan Freeman breakout role because he got nominated for Oscar for that film. His first Oscar. So. Hmm. So I was looking about some of the interesting facts about the, uh, was it Life Force? Where is that now? I think I have. 
So we mentioned like Barry yeah. Idol, like he was one of the actors who wanted for the vampire role. And I yeah, know. I think they liked him from the uh, Dancing with Myself video. Because I think he directed him in that, one of the video videos of Toby Hooper. That makes sense. I think he did. Yeah, because that's the one with all the zombies in it. Yeah. Um. So, also, for what well, I'm mis- mistaken, um, originally it was not. They wanted James Horner to do the score, not uh, Henry Mancini. Mancini did only the score after seeing like the, the opening like 15 minutes of the. Of the like the spacewalk, and he's like, I'm gonna do it because of that. That's how they got Mancini well, to do the film. Probably freed up James Horner to do his awesome score to Aliens, then, uh, which ends up getting recycled in film trailers for like a whole decade, two decades afterwards, mm-hmm. but is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this list of canon uh, films, and wow, there's uh, there's some. There's some hung dingers here, that's for sure. Um, okay. Uh, including, yes, Superman for the Quest for Peace also, and Masters of the Universe. I don't know if you know something, but oh, one of the cats disappears. I was it uh, Leonard, I think, because you don't show what happened to him. Because they, I don't know if there was a deleted scene or anything. Did you know? That's the guy, remember, who, who watches like the space film at the beginning of the film. He goes out to her, then then the, the other doctor sees him he tells him where is she like, she's gone he disappears yeah. in the I was like what was that and they say oh he's dead he got him off screen <laughs> yeah that, that's definitely the sign of a budget that was uh, you know yeah, quickly uh, circling the drain Canon was going through financialists and it affected I think Masters of Universe and Superman 4 the most if not mistaken yeah, and those were films that were released like a month or two apart from each other too. <laughs> so they would have all been in production roughly around the same time. Yeah. And the fine is that Hooper was not actually the first director to to was approach. It was originally supposed to be direct. The approach was Michael Winner. You just know him. He's the guy who did the Death Wish movies with okay. Charles Bronson. He also did the original Mechanic. And. Like I said, and, and also, apparently, I, I, I don't know if I can confirm it, but they say that originally Kane actually, they, they wanted to Michael Kane to play him. Oh? Yeah. Okay. That, um, I mean, I'm glad they got Peter Firth. Yeah. Um, I, I, he works in the role. Yeah. I mean... I think he was actually, out of all, he was a better lead than, uh, was it, the male lead, Carson? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you actually kind of halfway find... Um, you know, Kane's character believable there with Firth. Um, I actually did like his chemistry with the actor who played uh, Carson. What's it? Uh, Steve Railsback. I feel like they were good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it turns into not a buddy cop film, but uh, yeah, the, the chemistry is decent. I just think the acting is far better out of Peter Firth. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as the uh, the three vampires themselves, obviously they are very, very wooden, uh, not just because of the characters they are portraying, but I think the lack of acting experience I mean, as well. I mean, that's the first actress. The, the female vampire, she, she's, what it now? she's a ballerina, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're just meant to stand there and look pretty. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's basically their supposed job. It's supposed to be like the deal about like seduction yep. and sex. Erotica, that's why that was the theme I think of the film yeah yeah so 
And also one last thing before it, uh, apparently uh, the author didn't like the film and there was another author who had his book m- turned into a movie. I don't remember. I heard this thing a quote from him. I'm, I couldn't find him. Uh, so anyhow, he, he said that he would say that m- my movie, the Velat is one of the worst adaptations of my movie. And then he he he, <laughs> mess, mess, he wrote him a letter saying, I, yours is not the worst. Watch my movie. It's, it's the worst. <laughs> because he did not like this adaptation of this film. And apparently he said the first part is the, is the nudity in the film. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> but again, like we talked about, know your audience. This is, <laughs> you know... Horror thriller circa nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're gonna show some boobs and some butts. It's it is what it is. Now we should, we I think now we should go now to our final thoughts and we should score the film with this redeemable and deeble. Uh Joe, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. I mean uh, it's it is a competently made film for what it is. It it's got some amazing effects for a shoestring budget. Um, I mean, again, big shout out to John Dykstra. Um, the score is a little cheesy, but it's, you know, it's good. It's, you know, Mancini, he's another legend. This, yeah. this film is built from legends yeah. and the legend who um, gave us Ghosted and Tom and Jerry, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are his last two movies, Ghosted and. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's very watchable. Um, You know, uh, there's a couple of decent actors in the whole thing, and they they do a damn good job. Um, So, yeah, I I can see how this was just railed on by critics at the time. That makes sense. Um, You know, the other thing that's interesting to look back on a lot of horror films and sci-fi films from the 70s, 80s, and to a certain degree of the 90s. And you look at the critic reviews from those time periods, and it's very clear that more often than not, they're being reviewed by people that do not like that genre. And it has a very, very negative impact on the perception of the film in general. Uh, because many of them go on to achieve cult status, like Life Force. It does have a bit of a fan base. People do like this film. Uh, and, you know, I think we found something to enjoy in it. They're, they're, it's fun. It, it is a fun, bad movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I am definitely a proponent of, you know, people reviewing films that are actually fans of movies, that actually enjoy movies. Because... Not every film needs to be high art or be great cinema. And if it achieves what it sets out to do, I think that's admirable right then and there. Um, So, yeah, I'm all for, you know, people who actually like horror films, reviewing horror films for people that actually like sci-fi films, too. You know, genre um, definitely needs a bit more respect than it's been given over the past, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. And um, I, I think that's really starting to happen with the, uh, you know, the rise that we've seen in the past 20, 30 years of, you know, independent online journalists uh, who many of whom are, you know, very well regarded yeah. anymore. You know, they, they they are Rotten Tomatoes certified journalists. Yeah. 
I mean, you're seeing now experienced like, filmmakers now they're doing horror. I mean, Jordan Peele, he won an Oscar for Get Out. Yeah, yeah, his uh, directorial debut. Um, it, yeah, the the genre is getting a lot more respect. I hate the phrase elevated horror because Oof, it, scream that that's bullshit. Um, but uh, but ultimately, yeah, and then they do touch on that in scream. Yes, um, but that's a conversation that's been going on for years. Um, but I have to talk yeah, to you about some I mean, of this, the, the, the new Scream movie news. I'll talk to you later about it. After, maybe after the show. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's curious to see what's going on there. But, uh, yeah, um, again, uh, I think this is, sure, a redeemable film in that it is a fun, bad movie that is absolutely worth a watch. Uh, and there is plenty of joy to find in this film. It is not a painful watch like yeah. a lot of bad movies yeah. can be. Yeah. Um, it it, it moves right those. along. You know? I mean, I showed you something. Oh, God, like, yeah. yeah. Yes, Nothing but absolutely. trouble. That's the worst movie. You've seen that film, right? <laughs> yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> God, 40 million. I don't think they gave 40 million to Dan because you didn't know what the fuck to do with it. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd doesn't necessarily need to lead movies. Um, he needs to be a part of movies. And Jeff, you should um, stop being a dick also. I don't know if he is. Maybe he's not okay. He just always has been. Always has been. <laughs> so, yes, what did you think about Life All Force? All right, so Life Force is what I got to say about this. It's actually, I enjoyed the film. Like I do admit maybe the ending I did not like. The scripts might be, but overall, I think the positive in the film outshine the negatives. The directing is good. I think the special effects, I mean, especially like in the beginning of the film in the middle, but the third act maybe because with the makeup, with, with the zombies, but it looks great. And I feel like it had a great concept of the ideas, but it's basically space vampires. And we talked about space vampires. The film was really supposed to be released under the title of the novel, Space Vampire, but Canon was like, man, people would think we're making a B-movie. We have to change it. Yeah, let's not say the quiet part out loud. Um, <laughs> right, so, they absolutely were making a B movie. I mean, this is good. The movie, like, I feel like this movie can deserve to be remade because you know sometimes people say why didn't the same movies? Why does it have to be remade? Like, remember we talked about Train to Busan. People like why is this has to be remade? I think this one I think fits for a remake. I think enough time has passed that if somebody had, um, you know, an interesting take on it, uh, a fun spin, uh, you could make a, a very serviceable remake uh, and, you know, potentially improve yeah. quite a bit. Uh, maybe if it were a little closer to the book, you know, maybe set, you know, farther on in the further on in the future. And uh, I don't know. Because I don't know. How was the reception for the book? Is? Because I don't think the book was that popular. I think they like the kind of like the concept idea of the books. It's like let's make this into a movie. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Perhaps we'll see. Oh. Big pregnant pause there. Yeah, Big pregnant pause. I'm reading about the apologies <laughs> because I'm reading about the novel and stuff. It. I think part of it. I don't know if it's very different. I might have to to read about it before, but. I'm curious to see, like, I'm curious to who I might end up choosing to do it. But this, like I said, this I think I'd love to see a, a remake for a reboot of this film. And for yeah. for it's actually, like I said, it's a redeemable film. 
because of the positive outside and the negative in this film. And I think this is it uh, for today. Uh, thanks, guys, people, for watching and listening. Uh, and Joe, where, where can people you know find you? Well, I uh, hang out on Twitter a bit at Jay Mertens, uh, and you can check out my podcast, uh, Murders with Mertens, uh, on YouTube. Uh, still far from that hundred subscriber account so that I can get uh, a custom URL, but working on it. Yeah. Uh, episode 10 on Mulholland Drive should uh, be released in a matter of a few days. So, uh, yeah. Give it a watch. Give it a give it a like. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, subscription's always nice too. And by all means, do the same for me, Mister Mister Yasman three hundred here, because yeah. we, we got to get to that million, yeah, million subscriber count, like, um, yeah. so that he can torture uh, Andy and myself with some truly horrific films. Oh, we cannot watch um, it. Just sit there and laugh at all the torture Andy went through it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're going to do that someday, but uh, it's good to have goals. Yeah, like I said, one minute subscriber, like Joe said, one minute subscribers, and we'll review the adventure of Achela. And like I said, you can find me at you at Twitter, Dayasma three hundred. Uh, for some reason, to Twitter side to you know suspended my old account, and um, you can this show. You make sure if you're listening, or make you're watching, whatever you are, to like and subscribe and rate it and. Leave us a review, actually, so that we can get more audience and people to come listen to it. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, thanks, guys, for watching, Hello. listening. And, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'll see you guys maybe on the next episode. Bye.